0: Welcome to Musician. I'm your host, Andrew LaPau. Let's start the show. Today on Musician, we have Danny Pratt, Nashville-based drummer uh, from Wisconsin originally, and then spent his time in Chicago before moving down here. Uh, he's the drummer for the Flying Buffaloes, his uh, country band, and he's also the drummer for Pageant, who I've also had on this podcast. It was the first episode way back in the day. Uh, Danny and I talk about what it's like working in town. Um different cities and different vibes uh, that we've lived in and how they treat musicians. And uh, we just kind of talk all over the map about uh, issues that, you know, are persistent every day for musicians. So without further ado, here's my interview with Danny Pratt. Enjoy. If you were going to start over as a musician, not in Nashville, but any other city, what would you, where would you go? And, and how would you approach that?
1: Oh, man. This is given my my musical upbringing, but just deciding to go to a different city yeah. to start? Mm-hmm. Man. I guess I'd have to say L.A. hmm I what? mean, it's, it's, it's always, to me, it's like, if you really want to do it, it's between New York, Nashville, and L.A. Yeah, I agree. And I, I got my start in Chicago, which is a great place to start. But there's like a a lack of industry there. And I think for me, moving from Chicago, it was always, where can I go that has an incredible music scene and has better weather? (laughs) You can't beat the weather over there. No. Yeah. So wait,
0: you grew up in Chicago? Yeah, just north of Chicago, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Okay, cool, Mm -hmm. cool. So you were kind of making your way down to Chicago and checking out the scene there?
1: Yeah, well, growing up in Kenosha, it was like right between Milwaukee and Chicago, right on the lake, Mm -hmm. right on Lake Michigan. So I got like kind of the musical culture from both cities. So Mm -hmm. I would go up and play shows with my band in Milwaukee, and we would go down to Chicago and play and check out shows, go Mm -hmm. see our favorite bands play. And then I went to school at NIU, which is in DeKalb, Illinois. It's, like, directly west of Chicago, about 60 miles. Okay. So that it just was, like, natural to move into the city after that.
0: Yeah. So how long did you spend in the city? I was there for about three and a half years Okay. before and moving down. So what happened there? What made you want to move down
1: here? Um, it was a number of things. Uh, I was teaching a lot and playing as well. And it was just, like... I was starting to be, I was starting to split my time uh, too much and not really be able to focus on one thing specifically. Mm -hmm. You felt that the teaching music got in the way of actually making music? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And because I'm kind of just a a natural educator, because my mom is as well, Mm -hmm. um, there was just a point where I was like, I really care. A ton about my students but in order to like live a completely fulfilled life i need to pursue the performance thing that that's so interesting you say that because i it was the same for me up in new york mm-hmm. i had like
0: 15 between guitar and piano i had like 15 students and i was every day just one after another lesson yeah and there was a point where i had a student it was a new student, and he, I think he was in second or third grade, and he just had no interest. It was just <laughs> an after-school activity that his parents like put him in yeah. after karate and theater or whatever. And then they, it's crazy what the kid, the parents make their kids do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. And then I kind of did some math in my head of like, how much money am I making doing this? is that actually fulfilling? Yeah. And what else, would, what, I would, what I would rather be doing? Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided to come, exactly. it, to make a move. It yeah. was either LA or Nashville, actually.
1: Nice. It was, yeah. Sounds very, just, very similar.
0: Yeah. Well, I was, well, my brother lives in LA. And okay. so I have like, and I have other family and friends out there. And mm-hmm. I love California. Yeah. Um, but I was like, you know what? I've always had this like, urge to check out Nashville and to go down there and mm-hmm. see what I'm made of on guitar down there. Heck yeah. Um, so, yeah. That but I haven't... Sense. I want to teach again. I don't have any students now. Mm-hmm. Like, I would like one or two, yeah. you know,
1: that are serious. Definitely. Um, do you still teach down here? I don't, but I feel exactly the same. I it's feel like...
0: like I'm a born teacher. I, I would yeah. teach at, like, music camps, and mm-hmm. um, and I just, I just have, have the patience to teach. Um, which a lot of people, a lot of musicians don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would like, I would like like a, you know, like a high school student or something mm-hmm. that's getting serious, kind of sh- point them in a good direction. Definitely. Like, there. So that'd be nice. Um, for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, so when you were up in Chicago, what kind of shows were you playing
1: up there? You have your um, own band? I, I did have my own band. I had a hip hop neo soul group called nice. Legend Has It. Legend has it. Okay. Yeah. So we started at NIU. We all were mm-hmm. were uh, in college together and in the jazz program. Mm-hmm. And I met the MC in my dorm. <laughs> and we like met the first day. Yeah. We moved in, and the guy across from me, a dude by the name of Travis Hearns, who goes by the name Billionaire Boy Scout, mm-hmm. uh, he does a lot of production for some pretty big hip-hop acts. Okay. But uh, he introduced me to Keith uh, Winford, who is the the MC of the band, and he goes by—I think he's doing King Legend now—is his stage name. Mm-hmm. When we were in school, it was Legend Main. <laughs> and man, we just hit it off, and we had always talked about starting a band if we could. Mm-hmm. And I met the right guys in the jazz program, and it all just kind of blossomed from there. Cool. So, what was the band made of? Uh, it was a seven-piece. Damn full rhythm section so keys, bass, guitar, drums, uh trumpet, trombone mm-hmm. and I always forget to do that. Man. Um <laughs> I just turned the snare off. Man, I got some stories about that, but for another time perhaps. Um and then Keith of course, uh as an MC. Uh-huh. So man, it was the the challenge was when we moved to the city, we really had a hard time scheduling everything when you have seven guys seven different dreams of how you want to fulfill your music career it yeah. just got to be too much
0: yeah the hardest part is staying together when it's that big yeah you know it, it i feel like the magic number for a band staying together is five if uh-huh. you have a five-piece band i don't know why i feel like five-piece bands have a easier time staying together than like a four-piece band yeah or I don't know, there's just, it's something it be, that came up in, the, yeah. in my head, like, the Beatles or Talking Heads, uh, they're all um, four-piece bands, and those have, like, a lifespan of, like, five years. Mm-hmm. And then there's a five-piece band, which is, like, Radiohead and Rolling Stones, and those bands, like... Pearl Jam's
1: five-piece. Yeah, and they last forever. Yeah. I don't know what it is, it must be something that, like, there's a balance. I think it, I think it is the odd number. Like mm-hmm. if something comes to a vote, you can always achieve, you know, uh, a resolution.
0: Hmm. And then there's like trios which have a short lifespan, like Cream or a Hendrix Experience. They mm-hmm. just kind of
1: go up and. But then you got bands like Police or Rush, that are. Well, the Police didn't last too long. I guess they did, trio. but they they've reunited. At I guess some does point. that count? i
0: don't know <laughs> who knows but yeah
1: five might be the magic number flying buffaloes is a five piece yeah and you so, guys have been uh flying buffaloes is your current band yes um how long have you guys been together well we've we've known each other for about three and a half years okay and we started playing together maybe three years ago and it was just kind of uh recreational at that point right we were all pretty new to nashville and just trying to explore and Meet as many people as we could, mm-hmm. and there was a point where we all sat down at my place in Ridgecrest or on Ridgecrest in Inglewood, and that was the first place that I lived. And we just like hit it off. We we started playing, and it just clicked immediately. Nice. So there's a number of live videos on YouTube that are that very day that we oh, started cool. playing together, and we just decided to hit record on my iPad and. Mm-hmm. And we just did some live sessions. Is that at the place you're at now? No, I moved to like the Cleveland Park area. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you guys li- all live together now? No, but everyone in the band has lived in my house at some point. Oh, okay. so That's kind of, <laughs> kind of goofy. So
0: how many of you guys live together now in that house? Currently,
1: uh, Tommy, the lead guitarist, okay. and his brother live at the house cool. with me. Cool, all right.
0: Yeah. yeah, I've met those guys um when we were doing the pageant rehearsals oh yeah yeah of course um so when you moved to nashville you were did the your legend
1: has a band break up basically we never like we never have officially announced any kind of breakup we just have like gone on hiatus yeah gone and done different projects
0: yeah so what type of shows were you doing up there was it all it over was like
1: Chicago. Yeah, we we toured a little bit as well. Um, it was like mid sized rooms, your kind of like exit in style mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rooms, uh, but in Chicago, and mm-hmm. we were playing those, and we had an EP and an album out, and it was a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what's your What's your takeaway from the music scene up in Chicago? For like, how does it compare to Nashville? I think it's uh, equally as diverse. I think there you can find whatever you're looking for in Chicago. The issue is that the scene isn't united. Hmm. Um I think d- despite like what genre you're in in Nashville, you could have a pop artist who knows a country artist or knows you know some some jazz sidemen or something like that. Mm-hmm. But everybody is in the same circle. They're all supportive of each other for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that's what's lacking in Chicago, perhaps because it's so big. you're saying it's it's divided up into. E- kind of genre over there yeah it's pretty genre specific kind of like new york is in a sense Mm -hmm. where like there's so many people that you have to be really specialized to to like get to the top of your field and it's kind of like that in chicago the issue is that the industry presence isn't there so you're lacking that foundation that nashville has where you could just walk into bmi and they could if they like your songs, they might be able to set you up with some publishers or something like that. Hmm. That just doesn't exist in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And because of that, everyone's really hungry to just, like, get their piece and run. Right. If that makes sense. Okay. That's, it, it is a lot like New York
0: in that in mm-hmm. that sense. Uh, when I was working up in New York, I was, like, doing a jazz gig here and then a pop gig and then a indie rock gig here, too. But it all seemed very, like... It was just too much, too too much to take on and yeah. there wasn't much uh money mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in anything in any of the gigs over there. Definitely. Um and a lot of the jazz stuff was was like really cool and like you'd play for really um like cool audiences, but at a lot of the time there would like be like nobody and nobody would really care. Like there'd yeah. be like background music stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then playing down in the village. Um it was, uh, you'd just be, like, in competition with the heaviest jazz hitters in, oh, the, yeah. in the whole world. World-class cats. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I miss that. For sure. But I like that they have Rudy's here now. I know they're getting a lot of New York guys down here at Definitely. Rudy's Jazz Room. Have Man, you been there yet?
1: I've been meaning to get over there. You I still did? haven't done it yet. I so, went to the cave multiple times. Right. Yeah,
0: the cave was cool. It's almost the same thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think they really changed much of the...
1: The decor in yeah. there—it still looks, still feels like, like a, a cave. cave. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> they just like hired a Cajun chef.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So it's got good like food.
0: That. But yeah, every Monday uh, they have the salsa band, um, which is really Dude, good. That sounds there. sick. Yeah. Like real, and it's not like your standard like salsa DJ stuff. It's like real <laughs> Latin jazz. Oh, cool. Kind of gets out there. Okay. Kind of Latin jazz. Salsa. I would love to check that out
1: yeah I think the issue was that, for me personally, that Rudy's uh, opened up at at a point where I uh, was like getting so many gigs and working so much that like the last <laughs> thing I wanted to do was go out and see I know. music. and that's
0: that's kind of the shitty thing about being busy as a musician. You're yeah. just you're, all your energy is sapped on the gig, mm-hmm. and you like your ears are tired at the end of it. Yeah. Um I've been meaning to go see so many shows at Zanies to go see oh, comedians. Man, for sure. And I know they get so many great like they had like uh Craig Robinson mm-hmm. from uh you know him from the office. And, yeah. And, and like I was like, oh, I'm too tired to go, man. For sure. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm so I'm just so busy and I and I wanna rest. Yeah. There's there so much good stuff it. on Netflix and stuff. So. There is, man.
1: I, I just binge-watched uh, Sex Education. I haven't seen that. It just came out, I think. It's like a British um, drum-com, I guess. Okay. you it's recommend really, it? I highly recommend okay. it. Okay. I think there was a lot... I, I saw myself uh, a lot in several of the characters as far as like their <laughs> their height. Because it, it's set in uh, high school mm. in the UK. I think in Wales. Okay. And, yeah, they're just like developing and trying to figure their figure out their business. I'm um, uh
0: have you seen Friends from College? No, I haven't seen that. That's a really funny show. And that's a good social commentary about how even people like it it um takes place in New York City uh and it stars Keegan Michael Key from oh, Key yeah. mm-hmm. Um and Fred Savage oh, from no The kidding. Wonder Years. He's <laughs> he's awesome in it. But it's about like people in their mid forties mm-hmm. still like have no clue about life and love and trying to figure it out and just like fucking up like crazy exactly it's really good and it's also just a good social commentary about like us as a society and our technology and Mm -hmm. and just social conventions
1: uh have you watched atlanta i haven't watched atlanta yet either. that's a great show that's also a really good social commentary it's um is it uh Oh man, what's his name? Donald Glover. Yeah, Donald Glover. Yeah. I was like, Childish Gambino. Yeah, it is, um, it is Childish Gambino. So it's about some rappers who are coming up in Atlanta. Yeah, right, it, trying his, to his make it happen. His cousin, he
0: uh, Donald Glover plays a, a manager for oh, okay. his
1: cousin, who's a, a rapper. I gotta check. Who's kind of like coming up? Mm-hmm. But Donald Glover is brilliant, dude. He's a beast, man. Yeah. Just so immensely talented. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there was, oh yeah, and then Murder Mountain, which is a great documentary. That's the,
0: like the weed Yeah, the yeah. Humboldt County uh-huh. documentary. Dang, I gotta check it's, that yeah. out. Scary. Yeah. Um, so, Flying Buffaloes, are you guys
1: mostly playing downtown? Are you going on the road? I would say the majority of it right now is actually more original stuff on the road. Cool. We've really toned it back downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a means to an end, to support ourselves while... Building the original thing, yeah, it's important. Man, you can just get such a fan base out of Broadway if you do it right. Okay, what, what, have, you, how, what have you found to be effective in um, maintaining fans? Merchandising, mm-hmm. playing our originals downtown when it was fitting, and mm-hmm. just like connecting with people. Cool. Yeah, trying to stay in touch with folks who saw us, and yeah, we've had a lot of like return uh, fans come Don't back you love down that? and see us. Mm -hmm. When the whole party of people come And they're like, we saw you last year Yeah, Yeah. like they've got a yearly trip to Nashville And they're back (laughs) It is really cool Uh, So where's the road taking you? Uh, In March, that'll be our next run We're heading to the Midwest Okay So uh, the majority of the band is from the Midwest Just Mm -hmm. various states Mm -hmm. And we're going to be going back Up to Minnesota, Wisconsin Iowa, Illinois
0: and what type of venues are you going to be playing?
1: Um mostly like the like m- middle capacity clubs. Okay. So like 500 cap rooms. We're doing a couple festivals and one private event, or oh. not private event, but charity event. And when you hitting the road? Um it's actually south by southwest weekend. Okay. or week rather. Okay. So that's like March 8th through the 15th or something like that. Cool. Yeah.
0: So kind of, you're kind of staying in town until then. Yeah. And are you doing any shows outside of
1: downtown? Uh, um, uh, not outside action? of downtown. We're we're playing at True Music Room. Are you familiar with that Mm-mm. spot? It's at Cambria Hotel. Okay. And it's it's kind of like a, an AGD Entertainment project, and they've got uh, Lee Huber from uh, the local is booking there now. Okay. So they're just super awesome dudes, and trying to make a really cool little little gig there nice yeah so any recordings are you selling any cds yeah we've got a new record coming out actually we've got our ep that we've been selling for uh-huh. the last year how many and tracks on that the ep is uh five, five tracks okay mm-hmm. is and it all
0: originals all originals
1: nice yeah cool man and yeah we're stoked for the new one it's uh it's wrapping up now we're gonna be in the studio uh which is over in inglewood as well it's called battle tapes Oh yeah, I know Battle Tapes. Yeah, yeah, that's a great spot. Jeremy Ferguson's
0: the dude. There's so many good studios in this town. There are. <laughs> when like I'll see someone is downtown or anywhere and they've got a CD, I always like look where it's recorded and it's always something I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk to the artist about it and they're like, "Oh, you gotta check this studio out." And it's some amazing home studio that is just yeah. like
1: kind of under the radar. Well, you had you had Lidge Shaw on yeah. a while back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. He's killed, dude. I love that studio, the Toy Box. Hey, you been in there? Yeah, man. Yeah. Did you do a, a recording with Fine Buffalo's there? No, I recorded with a band called Avis. Oh, that oh, is right, yeah. Now defunct. But, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: I think I saw you guys one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're still playing with Pageant.
1: Still playing with Pageant from yeah. time to time. Yeah. Any Any new stuff from you guys? Um, there should be a new record coming out. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about it, or not, but <laughs> that's okay. People yeah. want to know. We can that. call. We can call Derek and see. Um, but yeah, we we recorded actually at battle tapes as well. Did a cool. full a full length album that I'm really excited to to hear the final product and mm-hmm. see see what we do with it. Yeah,
0: Derek and Erica are like really talented mm-hmm. songwriters. There, and you got your band sound is so it's very not Nashville sounding. It's mm-hmm. like really indie rock. Yeah. Kind of like you would think you'd see playing like a club in Austin or in Brooklyn, definitely or something, um, something a little bit of what Nashville's missing, you know, mm-hmm. more of the indie rock stuff. But though I know that there's like a big punk scene
1: kind of growing here, and for sure, it seems like there's all those little pockets that are yeah, um, yeah. There's the the growing R and B and hip hop scene, and mm-hmm. it's exciting. Yeah. I, that's why I moved down here because I could. I could see that stuff starting to happen. And I knew it wasn't just country. And that was huge. Because a lot of people outside of Nashville still see this city as being a country city. Mm-hmm. And I'd say it's like 50% country. Yeah. And then 50% everything else. It brings, the country brings in a lot of money. It does. Um, but I, what people
0: maybe who haven't been here don't see is like, it's <laughs> compared to New York and L.A., it's affordable. It is, yeah, man. I mean, it's kind of getting unaffordable um, with all the new, um, I don't know, just the, the population growth and yeah. new businesses and and everybody in East Nashville that was like, oh, I can sell my two bedroom like
1: piece of shit house <laughs> for like four hundred yeah, and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's just outrageous now. Um, yeah, it's that's a little scary to me because I I moved down here. And obviously I wasn't the only one who saw that it was an incredible scene, super supportive, loving Mm -hmm. people, and affordable, because Mm -hmm. now there's been an influx of musicians that it's just... It's really cool because there are so many musicians here, but it's also starting to get a little scary. Yeah. Because I I just worry about our community, our music community as a whole, being able to support itself. Well, I mean, I feel you on that
0: sentiment because... It, as new businesses and bars and lounges and whatever, coffee shops, as those get added, music venues that aren't, like, big-name country singer label, you know, honky-tonks, yeah. those aren't popping up anymore. I mean, Radio mm. Cafe, I saw, pop- that was cool when that came in. But that's kind of, like, on the outskirts a little bit of town. Yeah. Um, and But, like, my favorite venue... I think we talked I talked about this with Andy last week is was the building which is now a tattoo parlor mm-hmm. in 5 points. Uh so that closed down. Yeah. And then like Stone Fox closed down. Um just a lot a lot of more venues are closing down so it's mm-hmm. not the 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 music scene isn't really expanding. It's just a lot more people coming in. Yeah. And almost kind of like fight a fight to the bottom for money. Exactly. Like if so-and-so doesn't want to do it because they're not getting paid enough, there's like 10 other bands that'll come in and do it or 10 other musicians Mm -hmm. that'll do it for half the price or for nothing. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, what do you think is the solution to that? Or do you just think it's going to go the way of Austin, Texas and get really commercial and people are going to get pushed outside and have to move
1: down to Columbia and... (laughs) Really? I, you yeah, know? <laughs> it could happen, and that's that's a tough question. It's hard hard to know exactly what will happen, especially with the economy. I feel like it's booming right now, which means at some point it's gonna fall off. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be some kind of crash.
0: Yeah, that that's very well could be true, and then you have all these venues, and then they can't accommodate anybody. Yeah, um, and they'll just it'll be kind of a little bit of a ghost town mm-hmm. in some areas of town, like. Second Avenue is always kind of an iffy place to to play a show. Definitely. Um, I mean, they seem to... All those venues seem to be surviving. Mm -hmm. But I never see any of those places packed out.
1: No. It's always like, yeah.
0: Handful of people. It's nice because you can get a gig there Mm -hmm. and play. Um, But, you know, downtown used to just be like Tootsies and Roberts. Yeah. Um, And now it's... Like there's like 200 stages that you can play downtown.
1: I'm not too worried about downtown, uh, personally, because I think the just the the growth of the city and the fact that it's a tourist town now, like more than ever. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that it's gonna remain uh, stable down there, despite mm-hmm. what happens in the economy, because everybody's gonna want to go on vacation, whether they have money or not. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're gonna they're gonna flock to Nashville because it's easy to get to it's still fairly inexpensive to travel to if you're flying i mean flights yeah. to nashville are super cheap on southwest yeah. and american and stuff like that so now i saw yeah. that there's gonna be uh you know the sun country
0: airlines have you heard of that no you can get like a round trip flight to new orleans for like 70 bucks what yeah that's awesome <laughs> and then they're adding uh, la uh um, uh um what's it called the uh, like a straight flight from Nashville to LA for like 150 bucks round trip. Dang. So, yeah. Okay. And then there's, you can fly to London direct from
1: no Nashville kidding. now. Okay. That's Airways. what makes it international. Yeah. <laughs> I always wonder, I'm like, all right, BNA is an international airport. Yeah, right. What, I what know every it? time I, I flew international
0: from BNA, I always had to like stop in Houston Yeah. or Miami or something. Exactly. Um, cool, man. It is, uh, is there anywhere people
1: can find you online, like yeah. if they want to keep in touch with you? Certainly. Um, well, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's all uh, Danny Pratt Drums, Pratt dot com. Also, okay. Uh, that I think that site's down right now. Twenty nineteen <laughs> will be the the year of revamping yeah. the, the social media. I think that's something that I've neglected a little bit mm-hmm. because of how. Just how, uh, busy I've been with the band and, and Mm -hmm. helping with social media in that regard. It's like, once you do the socials for your, for your bands, you're like, I don't want to do it for myself too. It's just daunting. Uh, It's so much time. Are you still, uh, you still really into Neo Soul? I love Neo Soul. Yeah? Yeah. Do you practice a lot of that? Man, I don't find myself practicing as much as I would like to, (laughs) just in in general. Um. I listened to the Micah Snow podcast because uh-huh. he's, he's a buddy of mine as well. I oh, played cool! Several gigs with him, uh-huh. and he he had mentioned that too. It's just so hard to yeah, it's hard to shed when you're gigging all the time. Yeah, I I ran into a pedal steel
0: player um, the other uh, this is like a couple months ago, and I was getting off stage, and he's like, "How you doing?" I was like, yeah, "I'm trying. I, I need to practice more." And he's just like, "I never practice. I, I work so much." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I mm-hmm. guess that's, there's a point where you want that. you want to just be working, where you've practiced enough in your life where you can actually just take any gig, certainly and, and do that. But then there's a point where you need to push back on that a little mm-hmm. bit and throw practice because once I got that Mas amp over there, oh, I just man. like was like I, like I didn't have to think about practicing. I was just practicing or playing or whatever, because I yeah. love the sound of that. And I got that Strat recently, and that's been really fun playing. That thing's beautiful, man. Thanks. Yeah, I got that. I love the mat. Such a good trade. I traded a a Tele for that, and it just worked out so well. Dang. Um. Man. Uh. But when I know that, when I, on the gigs, the days that I practice, I just feel so much
1: better. Oh yeah.
0: Oh man. Yeah. It's man. night and day. Because if you got to warm up the first
1: twenty minutes of a gig, you
0: just feel gross, kind of. Yeah
1: luckily i've had a lot of gigs that i have to that i have to practice for huh so i'm learning tunes and like shedding those drum parts specifically yeah so that that's helping a lot i guess but. that uh, you know it all
0: depends on what your definition of practice is
1: yeah because yeah for me it, all that, musicians gotta not, learn that's like, like preparation learning practices. the music
0: yeah is it's just part of the job i guess mm-hmm. when i don't know what do i mean when i say practice i guess it could mean anything yeah. Really just something that prepares you for the performance mm-hmm. is what practice is. yeah um, so when you were in uh jazz school for jazz
1: mm-hmm. um who did you study with i studied with ron carter not not the bassist ron oh carter, man but <laughs> ronald carter the the uh the professor of jazz who he's very well well known in the the jazz community the jazz education community mm-hmm. and he's uh done a lot of stuff with Wynton Marsalis and oh cool yeah he he kind of made his name in East St. Louis mm-hmm. doing uh like really revitalizing their music program and taking a lot of kids who are underprivileged mm-hmm. and incredibly talented uh kids like Tarion Gully, yeah who is now an adult yeah, yeah, and yeah, an yeah. Inc- oh, incredible yeah. drummer um so he studied with Ron Carter oh okay as a high schooler I believe oh okay yeah Tarion Golly is real cool mm-hmm
0: um, I, we got to hang out actually I went to one of his gigs because my buddy was playing bass in a band that he was playing in and we just I was living in Holland at the time oh wow and we ended up just like hanging out all night with the whole band and yeah he's the man mm-hmm. I love that guy Um, and so when you were studying with Ronald Carter like was he making you transcribe a lot of drum solos and a lot of, a lot of feel like? yeah
1: well I studied uh, specifically drums with Rodrigo Villanueva okay and he is uh, from Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, they, they had me doing a lot of transcribing. A lot of swing. All the time. Just, a lot of swing. Yeah. Um, NIU's jazz program, I believe it still is, but when Ron Carter was head of it, it was very much rooted in the tradition of jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't study a lot of modern stuff unless we like sought that out on a personal basis. Okay. It was much more like really focusing on the blues, trad jazz, uh, early big band, and bebop. So, really, like like before, like no second Miles quintet. Oh, like. uh, we got, I think that's probably like the cutoff. Like, okay,
0: yeah. I
1: would say fusion yeah, is, is was that, probably the cutoff.
0: Yeah, it was like 1960. 1960- Eight, yeah, right around of, there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I feel like I, bitches brew is that when
0: we like divide.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, there was like maybe some discussion in jazz history about bitches brew, but there was never any like theoretical discussion about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It was all very much like I took big band arranging and we were studying Count Basie and that's Duke awesome. And um, yeah, I, I think the majority of it was very much just about learning the language of jazz. And how much was it like the movie Whiplash? You're it was a little bit like Whiplash, honestly. Um, never any never any physical abuse. But, Smacking you in the face. Dude, like... never, never got hit. Man, that, that movie, though, made me incredibly uncomfortable while I was watching it. And yeah. I, I think that was probably the intent for the audience in general. But mm-hmm. as a music student who... I mean... Suffered a little bit of, uh, like verbal abuse at I, times. I think that's what, um, it's,
0: it's interesting cause I watched that movie this past year. I mm-hmm. hadn't seen it before and I almost felt like my life growing up in New York was a little bit like a mix between Whiplash and Inside and Davis. Did you ever yeah. see that movie? Uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of like side by side in a way, um, and uh, and also the character's name in Whiplash is, is Andrew. Oh yeah. Um, and but like yeah, just the whole like your mind is so focused on wanting to become good at your instrument, or mm-hmm. to a point where you've just like you, you forgo your own like mental health. Oh yeah, man. Um, and then you have and then you have the people that will just like like talk shit about you like you're just so afraid that you're not going to be accepted by yeah the cats you know um and uh yeah that that movie like kind of it gives you that discomfort too yeah. but then at the same time i was like this would never happen because if any of my friends who were like in those programs um that would get out so quick oh if yeah especially in the, like the current the, so,
1: the current social status of like the I don't know, they're on like a lot of college campuses where people are like, I don't know, they're saying that their rights are being infringed upon because they're uh, just kind of like this a- almost anti-free speech thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you heard about this Wait, stuff at so all? What's going on? Just as far as like students complaining about uh, their university not being a safe space or I'm kind of generalizing right mm-hmm. now, but there have been a number of speakers who I certainly don't agree with, people who are doing college tours and might be like, kind of like alt-right oh, hate that shit. speakers and stuff like that. But under our Constitution, they do have the right to speak. And I think there's a lot of college campuses that are, like, barring them from yeah. speaking. Well,
0: now we're going on to, like... An yeah, we don't have to get into this. No, I just think that there's a difference between hate speech and, certainly. and and I think what the alt-right is doing is they're trying to normalize hate speech. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's
1: really, really frightening.
0: Yeah, exactly um it's 2019 Mm -hmm. and then you got to be careful about that stuff but then but then there's also like a a backlash that's happening and and it's almost kind of like yes there is some speech that is is uncomfortable but it it Mm -hmm. it, it is allowed yeah um yeah we do live in a in a scary time where the where there's hateful backlash against a PC culture and mm-hmm. those things are, are fighting it against each other. And yeah. then there's just like good people in the country that are just caught in the middle of this. Exactly. Um, I, I want to go back to the the whole idea of um, the jazz education. Because what I noticed in, in that movie Whiplash, I don't know if this was meant to be, like if I was supposed to take it this way, but what, what's the... What's the actor's name that plays the teacher? The abusive teacher? Oh,
1: man. Well, it doesn't I'm so matter. bad with remembering actors' names. I know who you're talking about.
0: Though. Um, when he, like, quits school, he kind of brings a lawsuit against the school. He gets the guy fired. Yeah. Um, and then he runs into him in a club sitting mm-hmm. in on piano. Yeah. And it's just the cheesiest jazz. And the <laughs> guy's playing and it's like, oh, yeah... He's like a band. He's like a famous band leader, and he he's the guy that knows everything that you got to impress, or he'll beat the shit out of you if mm-hmm. you don't play the tempo right. Like this, the music he's was playing was like so whack.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Th- there were a lot of whack aspects of uh. that movie, as far <laughs> at, like the the technical drumming in the movie visually was just like so off base. And I know that the, that actor learned to play for the role, but. Or learn to act, at least like move his hands and stuff. I'm I don't know the backstory so much.
0: Yeah, but. the, the actor—he's like I saw the some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. He could really kind of play. Yeah, yeah. But I guess they overdubbed it, and they with the camera tricks, they made it seem. Yeah, I, yeah. I
1: feel like Antonio Sanchez might have played drums on that. Or oh, maybe really? I'm, maybe I'm getting it confused with um, it. Birdman. Because you know, have you seen that movie? Mm-mm. Uh, Wait, Birdman uh, with, the with, uh, with Bruce Willis. Or Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton. That's what I meant. No, I still haven't seen Birdman. I gotta watch that. I hear that movie's awesome. It's killer, man. And the whole soundtrack is like just jazz drumming, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, It's great. Oh, um... I might be getting my movies confused. I'm clearly...
0: There's an episode (laughs) of the second season of Atlanta Uh that, um... uh, What's his name? Uh, Thundercat uh, does the music for. Um, with, um... What's his name? Uh... The hip hop producer, uh, Flying Lotus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, and it's just like that really intense, kind of like Square Pusher. Uh huh. Are you into Square Pusher at all or I, any of that kind of like.
1: I would say on kind of a fringe level. Okay. Like, I've yeah. definitely checked it out, yeah. but I'm not like, I'm not listening to it on a weekly basis or anything. Yeah, no, me neither. <laughs> I had a big square pusher face though. Back in the day, I was just like, yeah.
0: "Oh man, this guy's." Is... I mean, he's a brilliant musician. Yeah, there producer. was a point
1: where I was listening to a lot of Aphex Twin and yeah, Square it, Pusher yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I was listening to a lot of Jaga Jazzist. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with them? Uh, they, I think they're from Norway, if I'm not mistaken, and they they mix instrumental like jazz and rock with electro. And it's just really, really cool. Cool. Yeah. Man. Do you ever check out a uh, Jazzanova No, I don't think they're. A, heard
0: they're a German production team, and they just okay. make a whole like they have tons of tons of records, mm-hmm. and it's really varied and it's, it's really cool. If you ever like are cooking dinner sometime, yeah. just put on like Jazzanova Radio. Okay. Um, and it's just like a a, a group of musicians in Germany that make this really cool. Jazz influenced, like kind of neo soulish mm-hmm. music.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah. Right up my alley.
0: Yeah, totally. So, who are you cool. checking out
1: in the neo soul world these days? Oh, man. Um, well, I love, I think for like the last several years, Hiatus Coyote has been like one of oh, yeah. my number, number one favorite bands. Yeah. And I think that Napalm released a, like an acoustic record not not so long ago that i've been mm-hmm. checking yeah out. yeah that record's great she does yeah. that uh she does a lot of the tunes from their okay their full band albums i love her hendrix cover on that record oh yeah yeah
0: um man hiatus coyote i got into them when choose your weapon came out mm-hmm. and my sister was like just listen to this it'll <laughs> change the way you think about songs and music yeah and dude like it's you know it can sound confusing at first mm-hmm. like when you hear it, but man is it just like total uh my buddy joe he calls it ear candy oh like yeah it's just it's ear yeah. candy <laughs> you ever see that you watch any of their footage on youtube
1: oh um, like
0: it's just them like rehearsing in a rehearsal studio
1: mm, and they're just no. so good the yeah. drummer is just like i saw them live in atlanta oh you did yeah i drove down there specifically oh to see nice them. where did you see them Oh, what's that three venue complex? I think vinyl is one of the, one of the venues and I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, but, um, the music loft maybe. Okay. Something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, there's,
0: it's, it's interesting to feel like, I feel like she writes pretty much the whole,
1: the most, most of the music and then kind of presents it to the band. I don't really know how they work. I, I got that impression based on what I was reading in her bio for her solo project. Okay. She was, like, trying to kind of strip it back to the basics because of how produced the Hiatus Coyote records were. Mm-hmm. And she just wanted to do something that was very minimalist.
0: So, yeah, it does sound but like But it's she, still, like, a lot of, you know, her backing herself up yeah, vocally. Yeah, a bunch and, of, like, vocal stacks. Yeah.
1: Very D'Angelo style. Yeah. This, that shit is killer.
0: Yeah. And is Voodoo, like, one of your, oh, yeah. like, go-to? the top top five yeah. records of all
1: time <laughs> without a doubt i love black messiah i think that was that's just also a terrific an incredible record. incredible record
0: i feel like voodoo is one of those records that uh it, it's every time you hear it you hear something new mm-hmm. um and just the musicianship is so good in it i think it's pino paladino's bass playing that yeah. just carries that whole thing mm-hmm. and then yeah um he's got the and time. charlie hunter too yeah yeah his bass playing on that, that bass guitar mm-hmm. stuff at the same time.
1: Those guys are just beasts, man. Some mm-hmm. of my favorite, favorite musicians of all time. For oh, sure. Yeah. And that's what's so cool. I feel like John Mayer has kind of, John Mayer and D'Angelo share some musicians, which mm-hmm. is really awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, I think
0: John Mayer just kind of took the whole production outfit. Oh, Because yeah. he got the same engineer from that yeah. session. Um, mm-hmm. You know that, the Untitled track, that's D'Angelo playing drums on it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what Raphael Sadiq on bass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just learn all these new things like every now and again, like, oh, there's something new about Voodoo I never I never yeah. realized. That was like the one kind of standalone track that the, that, that was, was produced single. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's completely
1: different personnel. Like But it fits so perfectly into everything else. It doesn't it doesn't seem like it strays from the rest of the band. I could I could say like that's Questlove playing, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Is is he your is he your guy? definitely for for neo soul stuff mm-hmm. for sure um i think there's a part of me that always that, uh, let me step back for a sec there's a there's a part of me that has always really wanted to be like the most technically proficient drummer i could possibly be and i think that just comes from my my musical upbringing um and like getting really into like prog rock and metal in high school and that transitioned into jazz, and I think it was a lot because of how proficient those drummers are technically. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting—you go from prog rock and metal to neo soul. Yeah, well, it it kind of was like this full circle thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should just give you the my musical sure. history or something that might make more sense. So my parents are just really into classic rock, so mm-hmm. that's all I listened to growing up. But the just being part of the kind of the '90s hip hop MTV generation and seeing people like D'Angelo and TLC and a lot of like the hip hop folks like Wu Tang Clan and stuff mm-hmm. on TV all the time influenced me in ways that I didn't realize until I got to college mm-hmm. and started the the hip hop band. Hmm. So, in studying jazz, because because of the drummers, I guess and then having the whole r&b hip-hop thing in my like deep-seated in my my musical my love for music uh it all kind of came out in college mm-hmm. and that's where i rediscovered neo soul because i was like jamming out the space the space jam soundtrack at the age <laughs> of five and d'angelo's on that on that soundtrack what, what doing is he... um i found my smile again oh i don't know i've never heard that really yeah
0: oh man it's a great tune um, have you ever heard the Jay Dilla remix of Me and Those Dreaming Eyes of Mine? No. Check that out sometime. I would love to. Yeah. That that was Jay Dilla was the was my kind of well the roots. He was the, the impetus roots, for right.
1: all of that mm-hmm. that group stuff, right? Like Questlove, I guess Questla was saying like it's his favorite it's producer that, of all yeah, time. Yeah, that drunken the drunken beat feel
0: that he yeah, mentions and, in, in Meta Blues. Um and there's something about the way he he programs the hi hats it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a 3 against 4 type yeah. of uh, like it that's what's, it's staggered it's almost like yeah like or it's like a 6 8 against 4 yeah yeah that that i got donuts on i went to a place called jack's records in new paltz and i was like i just got um, a record player and i my friend told me about j dilla and i was like mm-hmm. i'll just buy this record and yeah totally changed how i hear music and what i wanted to pursue in music and Mm -hmm. uh i taught at this uh jazz camp uh and i was in charge of the r&b band and we did a whole jay dilla tribute and i got all these you know teenagers and like younger kids to make this huge it was like a 15 piece band or something and we did a whole like dilla tribute sick yeah
1: have you seen the um Seen or heard the uh what the heck is it called? Um man, I'm really racking my brain here today. The uh Suite for Ma Dukes. Um Miguel mm-hmm. Atwood Ferguson put an orchestra together oh, out, yes, out in I LA, have seen I think. That, yeah. And I think it's Kareem Regan's playing drums. And mm-hmm. they do uh how do you say it? Hawk and Pucky or something like that? I don't know. You know that is a track? Yeah. Is it the um I can almost sing it? yeah i know that it's like yeah yeah, very string it's hard hard to sing that man but (laughs) that that tune really got me into jay dilla's stuff because i i didn't really know who he was but a bunch of the my fellow jazz students were like check this stuff out Mm -hmm. and i think it kind of always for me hap sort of like discovering things happens in reverse in a certain uh, yeah. in a certain way. Like you discover a band and you're like I love how these guys sound and then you find out well they're inspired by these cats. So then you you back up, you backtrack.
0: Uh, well, yeah, and now there's like just so much crossover between soul and jazz like Robert Glasper. Oh, yeah. And and that whole camp with mm-hmm. musicians and um it's almost kind of like you got you got to be down with hip-hop because there was so much backlash against hip-hop when it's when hip-hop started from certainly from people who were like established in jazz or in any or in rock or anything but now it's like no this is actually like american music Mm -hmm. that should be um celebrated definitely like a pure american art form um well cool man uh So, where can we find uh, your band, The Flying Buffaloes?
1: Flying Buffaloes, uh, next show is on Wednesday. Well, actually, we're going to be on Acme Radio Live tomorrow. Oh, cool. For Hamill's show. Okay. Uh, It's at 3 p.m. Central Time. Cool. So, that'll be fun. Um, And then we're playing uh, Wednesday night at Acme from 8.30 to 10.30. So, that'll be primarily original stuff. We're playing a bunch of the new record. And Mm -hmm. then some of our favorite covers, too. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Danny. you bet. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. I'd like to
0: thank Danny Pratt for coming on the show again. That was uh, was a great talk. Um, You can find Danny playing around town. Go check his band out, The Flying Buffaloes. Go check Pageant out uh, and all the Neo Soul recommendations that we were talking about. Hiatus Coyote, D'Angelo, all that good stuff. Uh, Got some great guests coming up in the weeks to come. So I'll see you then, everybody.